money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I'm ready. Good, because last week, I know we had this conversation about you weren't quite sure you were ready or we weren't surely if we were talking about money. I just get you riled a little bit, you know. Okay. Well, this is the show where we talk about the hard issues around money. And that means we talk, I like to talk about money and you like to talk about the heart. And that seems to be the way that it goes. I I guess that's why God stuck us together, eh? Yeah, for 26 years. Yep. It's really good. Really good. Yes. So we're going to continue on from last week. And if last week you missed it, well, maybe don't stop now. But please go back and listen on iTunes to Let's Talk Money with Dave and Reb or morethanenough.ca or CHRI. Um, because we are talking to author and speaker John Reinhardt. And he um, wrote an amazing book that has had an impact on David and I and many people we know called Gospel Patrons. Mm-hmm. And, if, and we, we're going to translate it into Canadian. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, John <laughs> is he's from, American. from California. And uh, again, you have to go back to last week's show to find out you know, how Canadian it really needs to be. But we are, I, I know that I have his wife's, you know, kind of approval or, or whatever, because she's uh, from Saskatchewan. Our so family we're good. is from Saskatchewan. So there we go. Anyway, but, but we're going to continue the conversation in a minute. But one of the things we ended with last week was um, John was talking to us about um, Christ having gospel patrons mm-hmm. and from Luke uh, 8, 1 to 3. And it while he was talking, I was thinking about this verse. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall know by means lose his reward. And that's the New King James Version. But the phrase we know is that if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you, you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me. That's what Jesus says. And... Um, I was thinking about the people who are listening because we're talking a lot about business people who are gospel patrons, who are people who come alongside ministers of the gospel and provide resources. And that's what um, John has written in his book, Gospel Patrons. But for all of you who are listening who are thinking, well, I'm not a business person, it doesn't mean you can't be a gospel patron because Jesus says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, it's about your focus, it's about your heart of generosity that we're here on this earth to love. We've talked about this so often this summer, loving God, but loving our neighbor as ourselves and loving our enemies. You know, we, we talked about how debt keeps us focused on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're focused and worried and stressed, but when we don't have that debt problem, which we talk a lot about on here, if we can, if we get our eyes off ourselves and start trusting God and start asking how we can love our neighbor, we really are becoming people who are giving a cold a cup of cold water we are really starting to think on a bigger plane now i know the stories and gospel patrons talk about big ministers from the past like tyndale and newton and whitfield and you know those those are big names in christian history but you can you do your you give your gift 
to the Lord. You do it as unto the Lord. And no matter how big or how small, um, when you do it unto the Lord, He sees it. He honors that gift. And, and you're helping an, your neighbor. You're helping those who even persecute you. And for that, God blesses you, not with financial remuneration necessarily, but He blesses us with His presence. Yeah, I think... Uh if, if we go back to last week's show, and we, we really highlighted the story of Tyndale and, and Monmouth, and, and recognize that both of those guys, the, the financial remuneration for Monmouth was death, right? He, they, yeah. he ended He's, up dying and going, well, wait a minute. I mean, in, in one way, because we know that death is not the end here on earth, they, they both entered glory very close to each other. And yes. to me, that, that always gave me a bit of encouragement to say, well, you know what? They didn't have to hang, a lo- hang here on earth too long to be able to celebrate in heaven what what the impact of those two men, mm. each doing their own part, different parts. Right. The, the, you know, again, Tyndale, you don't want to ask Monmouth to, to start translating the scripture. That was Tyndale's <laughs> deal, right? Uh, so just allowing that. We're going to just pause here because we don't want to get away from it. John, you are with us. So welcome again to the yes. show, John. Come on in. Yes. Thanks so much. Glad to be with you. Good. And and it's it's really just a continuing conversation from last week. So if you did miss the show last week, uh, go back and, and have a listen to the show. And, and you'll hear a little bit of John's journey up to this point or how the book was read and his own journey. Today, we, we want to talk about gospel patrons, the ministry, and, and how you're at work and, and what you're doing now. And I think the first question I had that that struck me was, is, did the ministry come first or the book come first or was the book and the ministry birthed together? How did that happen, John? Yeah, great question. Thanks. Uh, I, I really thought that in writing the book of Gospel Patrons that God had given me an assignment. And when that assignment was done, I was going to move on to some other assignment. I wasn't sure what, but I just thought for now, I'm going to write this book. And really uh, didn't have vision for much beyond that. I, I didn't know what God was going to do. But uh, after the book was launched, my wife and I gave it five months, and we just said, we'll, we'll continue to run with this idea for five months. And if it seems like there's no traction, after five months, we'll do something else. But within five months, we began to see uh, people really responding to the message. A lawyer in New York City who's had a big corporate and successful career there um, heard me speak on the message of Gospel Patrons, read the book, and then got in touch with us and said, I just gave... Up, up until this point, I never quite knew what my role was in the church, and it's easy to feel like a second-class Christian if you're in business. And he said, but now for the first time, I recognize I'm called to be a gospel patron. I had given a little bit of money to these various ministries, but I can go big, and I can, give, I can get focused. And so he ended up giving two ministries half a million dollars each and said, I'm all in. This is the ride that I want to go on. I want to be a gospel patron. Wow. And uh, to say that, I'm not saying that to be a gospel patron has to be half a million dollars or larger <laughs> money. That happened to be what he had and what God was calling him to do. But people began to respond significantly to this idea of gospel patrons. And that's when we began to say, maybe there's more than just a book here. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that again, goes back to, and I, and I don't want to pull too much from last week's show, but the, the difference between the philanthropist and, and the gospel patron. So if you don't know what the difference is, listen to last week's show. We're going to keep go, going on. But, John, I love the story uh, or the idea here as, as we talk about being 100% in, that it's not just about... Uh, the amount of money. It's not just about the giving, although obviously those portions are, but it's about how different parts of the body work together. And and again, we highlighted that a little bit, and, and you certainly highlighted in the book saying there's a mouthpiece. There's a, there's there's a there's a person who, uh, when God wants to do a revival, often there's there's a, a point of the spear, somebody who's taking all the the brunt of the force. But then behind that person, there are maybe one, maybe a number of people who are sharing and and ministering with and part of the ministry. And their role is just as significant as that one person who's who's really the point of the spear. Yes, exactly. And, and what I what I find in this ministry of gospel patrons, you're right. It's not a generosity ministry per se. We do talk about money, much like you talk about money. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense to say, shouldn't we all be 100% engaged with what God wants to do around the world? It, it might not be your title or your job description. It's not what's on your business card or where you get a paycheck, but. We want to be all in with God, no matter what calling or vocation we have. I was sitting around with the team that I work with this week, and just to open our meeting, I asked the guys the question, what do you think is the greatest achievement of your life? Mm-hmm. Now, these are successful guys that I work with. They've had good careers, good track records, and not one of them said a thing about their career. Nobody said anything about their bank account or anything about the possessions that they've acquired. Each of them said engagement that they've had in ministry or in family has been the greatest contribution that they've made to the world. And it struck me to think, yeah, when we we all work hard in our careers and we're doing what we can, but we ha- there's, there's so much more that we can give our lives to than just building more toys, a bigger bank account. But God wants to take us on an adventure with Him. And I really think that's the message of Gospel Patrons, that God is inviting us to go on an adventure that's bigger than any adventure we would choose for ourselves. And uh, there is a quote that you have in the book that um, a question that you ask, and uh, we were just talking to uh, some of the folks here at the radio station, and I said, how do we become the kind of people God uses to change the world? And yes. really, you are asking a different, different from a different angle. But that, it's but we're going to ask you the question anyway, because we want to hear your answer, <laughs> no. John. So how do we become the kind of people God uses to change the world? Okay, well, I'm going to go back to your verse that you started with, Reb, because you said if you give a, a cup of cold water to a, a child mm-hmm. in Jesus' name, you'll by no means lose your reward. Mm-hmm. Think about If you think about the people who've made the greatest impact on your life, and you think about what they did to make that impact, it always comes back to giving. Yes, it does. They gave you their time. They met with you week after week, and maybe it was a youth pastor, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was someone from your church, maybe it was a, a mentor in your life. They, they gave something to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Generosity is at the heart of making an impact in the world, and it doesn't always have to be money. But in order to make an impact in the life of someone else or in, to change the world, you're going to have to be a giver. No one ever says at the end of a, you know, at the funeral, like, they don't talk about someone's net worth at a funeral. Man, they just built up $2 million or whatever. (laughs) What's talked about at a funeral is what someone gave. They gave 
me a great experience. They gave me a great example. They gave me a great legacy. They set a standard for me. They met with me. They came alongside me. They gave at the very moment when I needed it the most, and that meant the world to me, and that showed me that their character was for me, and they believed in me. That changed my life. So what I want to say is how do we become the kind of people that change the world? It, it really is going to have to come from a place that's a really different mindset than the American dream or probably the Canadian dream, which is get, get, get as much as you can. Secure yourself, earn as much as you can, get passive income, get financial freedom, and then you'll be safe and secure and you can live comfortably and eat, drink, and be merry for the rest of your life. That's the dream that we're sold. Yeah. We are sold the dream of you should never need God or anyone else. Mm-hmm. You should get yourself into the position where you can basically set up your kingdom and live for yourself. But ex- what we see in the Bible and the kingdom of God is exactly the opposite. I'm not saying go into debt. I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is that the life that really counts is not a life about of getting. It's a life of giving. And so Jesus says in uh, Mark 10:45 that the Son of Man came not to be served, mm-hmm. but, to, but serve. to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave. gave. Mm-hmm. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And give yourself up for and give yourself up for them. That the, the essence of love, the way that love mm-hmm. is worked out, is in giving. Mm-hmm. If you say that you love someone but you're not willing to give to them, you really don't love them. But if you give to someone, you're demonstrating love. And so, really, when we begin mm-hmm. to think, how can we become the kind of people that change the world? We have to recognize that first we need to receive from God that God is a great and generous King who has given to us His very own Son. His son paid the price for our sin, that he paid everything. Like if, we, if you and I went out to a restaurant for lunch today, and we sat across from the table, had an amazing lunch, and when we went to leave, someone said, oh, no, no, the bill's already been taken, mm-hmm. taken care of. Say, what? what? Who paid? Oh, that gentleman over there, as he walked out, he just wanted to purchase your lunch. You'd be amazed. You'd go, what? You'd tell your friends and your family, you'd post it on social media, someone bought my lunch today. They paid it all. That's what Jesus has done with our sin. He literally paid it all. There's nothing left for us to pay. That God has been so generous to us that He gave us His life. And that's really where it begins. That if we're going to become the kind of people who are givers and not takers, or aiming to be generous and not just get for ourselves, the first place we go is to be recognize the generosity of our Father in heaven who gave us His Son, and the Son, the Lord Jesus, who gave us His very life and up to His last breath, His last drop of blood. And we go, man, once I see that kind of generosity, that's life. That's love. That's beautiful. Lord, make me a person like that. And I think it's those kind of people, whether they have a lot or a little, a cup of cold water or half a million dollars, that really do change the lives of other people around them. Uh, we uh, use a phrase uh, often that it's in it's his DNA, and we have his DNA to be givers and to Ooh, be his, to I have like the, the generous the generous DNA of our Father. We're we're wired to be yes. givers, and we have forgotten. And yes. you know, it's been covered over by false. I mean, we do all kinds of teaching like that at More Than Enough. So it's it's fun because all the listeners are going to like, wait a minute, this guy's we, saying... We are not paying John to say that. <laughs> we're but, not. You know, we didn't pay. <laughs> but but here, here's another, here's another kind of aspect of that because when we get that deep down in our heart, in our soul, that God gave first, and I'm yeah. going to use your example, John, um, you know, the person who buys us lunch, and yeah, we post it on social media, say, isn't that cool? And, and then... 
there's there's this something in uh, inside of us that also says, you know what? And I'm going to buy someone else lunch. Yeah, you know, I'm going to surprise yeah. them. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And and so yeah. that's an almost a natural reaction within us when when that something small like that, that happened happens. to our daughter at Tim Hortons. For it, sure, it right? was a sequence of events with a. Well, okay. Do you know Tim Hortons, John? You might. Of course, okay. I do. everybody knows Tim Hortons. Well, it was uh, roll up the rim for our Canada's 150th, and someone handed her a free coffee. Then she got a free coffee and. She handed that to the next person, and it just went down the, the and line. And a couple of weeks ago, we we were parking in downtown <laughs> Ottawa here, and somebody drives up behind us and says, "Listen, um, if you haven't paid for parking, this ticket is still good." And I, I don't know if there's like legal things about it, but they gave us the parking <laughs> ticket because somebody had given them the them. parking ticket, wow. and it was good for. Not, so of course, and, when we left, we gave it to someone else, and there was wow. this the poor parking wow. meter was going well. Jeepers, how, <laughs> I'm you know, not making any money, <laughs> exactly. but but it, uh, yeah. Yeah, the ethics of that, I'm not sure, but it, it's the same idea um, yeah. that that's at work, you know. Um, it causes our hearts to want to be more generous. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. I recently had a birthday and, you know, as you do on birthdays, uh, get the mail and you get the birthday card that come in the mail. And a birthday card came from my grandmother, bless her heart, 86 years old. And I open the card and out falls a $5 bill. And my six-year-old son quickly snatches it up as fast as he can, and he says, can I have it? And I said, sure, buddy, but what do you want it for? And he said, I want to buy you dinner. And I said, oh, you want to buy me dinner on my birthday? He said, yeah, is this going to be enough? I said, no, $5 is not going to be enough. And he looked sad, so I said, go get my wallet. So he grabbed my wallet, and I handed him a $20 bill, and he said, is this going to be enough? I said, no, buddy, that's not going to be enough. So I handed him another 20 he said, is this going to be enough? And I said, yeah, that'll be enough. So he drove out to this pizza restaurant that we like, and we got up to the counter. He had his tiny, you know, little kid wallet yeah, stuffed yeah, with $45 yeah. of cash, which he's never had in his life. Yeah. And he, I hold him up to the register, and he opens his wallet and pulls out the money and pays the pizza lady with the biggest grin you can imagine on his face. Yeah. And when we sit down at the table, my daughter says very politely to him, Malachi, thank you so much for buying us dinner tonight. <laughs> and we all said, yes, Malachi, thank you. And even though the money was mine, <laughs> he got the joy. The, the joy always wow. goes to the giver, always goes to the giver. Oh, and my that. son is teaching me a good lesson there, that all that we have actually belongs to our father anyway. And he gives us the privilege to honor him with the wealth that we have. We get to, we get the joy of giving. And I just thought, I didn't have to teach him that. And I didn't instruct him to do that. That was, like you said, just in his DNA, that we're never more like our God than when we're giving. And my son is getting that. And I'm like, yes, at six years old, he's getting it. He's getting it already. And I'm just happy you didn't hand him plastic. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go there on this show, but I thought I'd throw yeah. that in just for fun. Yeah. So, so Reb, you were you were. Oh, there's a quote I want to read um, mm-hmm. from your book, but before I do that, can you just tell us what is GospelPatrons.org doing? Like, what do you do as a ministry? Yeah, great question. We do five things really. We uh, we launch uh, weekly or biweekly articles. We're highlighting other examples of modern-day gospel patrons, and we do that in a couple of different ways. We have a section called Gospel Patron Journals, where modern-day business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know, wealth managers, private equity people, they are 
we asked them all 10 questions and we're surveying their answers. And so there's about 12 different examples of them on there. We're filming short uh, training videos of key leaders in business and ministry talking about this idea, giving us just the sound bites of three, four minute videos of help us wrap your mind around how you've applied this or thought of it. And then we're actually producing our own films, modern-day gospel patron stories. And so we have currently five films on there. Uh, they're all free. There's no passwords. You can just go to gospelpatrons.org and check it out. But we're just saying this wasn't just an idea that we saw in Scripture or we see in Tyndale and Humphrey Monmouth 500 years ago, but it's actually an idea that many, many people are living out today. So we're constantly highlighting uh, great examples of business people really from all over the world. And and the reaction to like it must be quite phenomenal to see it globally. It, it's incredible. Uh, you know, you can track stats with a website and to see how many countries this is spreading into. And the book Gospel Patrons has gone to over twenty countries already. Mm-hmm. It's just mind blowing to see people living this out, applying it, and getting a vision for their life that's beyond their career. I think many people think you know you can only have a calling if you're a ministry professional you know pastors have callings and missionaries definitely have callings but business people we just go to work we just make the money and i think that the calling of a gospel patron is for business and professional people and they're beginning to resonate with it and going and maybe this is actually what i'm called to that my profession or my business or my company is actually a means to fulfill my calling that my company is not my calling, but it's a means to fulfill my calling as a gospel patron, and that's just been thrilling. Yeah. I, I, while you're saying that, I was thinking about the. There is a, a a statement that John Newton that you wrote, and John Newton said in the book that about John Thornton that just said that's Thornton for him. Giving is like breathing. If he stops, <laughs> he'll die. Right. <laughs> And, yeah. and what a, I mean, what an observation from someone mm-hmm. else. It's, it's one thing to say that about yourself. It's one thing to say that about, you know, in a sense of that, that that's my heart. And, but for someone else to see that in yeah. someone else is, yeah. is again, to me, is, is just astounding so that we yeah. can go, wow, that is the gospel displayed in, in all its glory, in all of its, its just hanging right out there. When somebody else can say, this guy has, has to do this, <laughs> and it's just like breathing. I mean, if he yeah. doesn't, he's, he's, he's no longer alive. Uh, and and what, a, what a statement. Yeah, now one question I just want to address quickly, because I know there's somebody out there thinking this. You guys are talking about giving. You're talking about giving examples. It, doesn't Scripture say we shouldn't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing? Should we even be having this conversation? I was just uh, I was actually thinking of that when you were talking about the people on your website. <laughs> I thought, oh, I right, wonder what and, people are thinking. Yeah, I've had to wrestle deeply with this, and I would love to point you to an article on our website called Should All Your Giving Be in Secret? What I find fascinating about that passage where Jesus said that, it's really in contrast to what the hypocrites or the Pharisees of that day were doing. They were sounding trumpets when they would give to the poor. Look at me. Here's what I'm doing. And they're doing it for their own glory and their own attention. And so Jesus is, is, is speaking in reaction. Don't give like them. Don't pray like them. Don't fast like them. But what we find in the very same sermon, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5 through 7. In the very same sermon, Jesus said, let your light shine before men or before mm-hmm. others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
It's like, wait a second. Okay. Same sermon. Okay. So there's definitely context here. Sometimes we're to do good works and to even talk about generosity in our giving stories so that others will see what God's done through us and give glory not to us, but to Him. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's other times we go, whoa, 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 I'm tempted to give here, get to try to seek the glory for myself or mm-hmm. seek the attention. And in that case, do it. I need to hold back and actually be anonymous about this. But there's an article on our site called Should All Your Giving Be in Secret? And I outlined seven reasons why it's essential that we need to talk about giving in this in this generation, specifically because we don't ever talk about it. Mm-hmm. And if we don't talk about it, we're not going to grow. Like if you want to lose weight, the first thing you do is go to Weight Watchers and you start talking about it with other people. Right. If you want to stop drinking so much and not, not being an alcoholic, you go to AA and you start talking about it and you grow and you change. And I think with giving, we just rarely talk about it, which is why I love what you guys are doing and starting this conversation, because it's only through talking about it that we're actually going to grow and become more like the God who we know and love as a giver. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just I just love how you say all those things. I was just like... And I was thinking, you know what? I mean, going back to the quote that, uh, that Newton said, well, if John Thornton wasn't breathing that would be a problem, right? In the sense of he does take benefit from his giving, right? Again, we don't want to, and you've said it so well, we don't want to stand up on our soapbox and say, look at me, I'm giving to the poor. But the reality is, is when we recognize it's part of our DNA and that as we give, people are going to recognize the joy in our life. They're going to recognize the freedom in our life. They're going to recognize all of these, in a sense, byproducts of our giving, Yeah. So we don't want to highlight the giving, how much or who to and all of those yeah. things, because yeah. that leads yeah. to pride. But yeah. we are more joyful. We are full of full of the presence of God, because as we open up ourselves and start to love our neighbor, God's glory is manifest through us and our light shines. Okay. So That's really helpful. Yeah, I... I uh we're coming to the end of the show, actually, and these half hours go so fast, but I had to read this because I want to leave all of us with the idea uh, of asking the question, what are we passionate about? Mm-hmm. And he asked the question in the book, how do we become the kind of people God uses to change the world? And then he, uh, John quotes a man uh, that he heard at a lecture People who make a difference in the world are not people who have mastered a lot of things. They are people who have been mastered by a very few things that are very, very great. If you want your life to count, you don't have to have an IQ. You don't have to have an EQ. You don't have to be smart or have good looks, come from a good family or have a good school. You just have to know a few basic, simple, glorious, majestic, obvious, unchanging, eternal things and be gripped by them and be willing to lay down your life for them, which is why anybody in this crowd can make a worldwide difference because it isn't you, it's what you're gripped with. So what things must we be gripped with if we're going to make a lasting difference in our world? And that's what I want all of us to be thinking about. What grips you? And if nothing grips you, go get gripped. <laughs> then press. It's going to be the new mantra. Go get gripped. <laughs> if if yeah. you if you are sitting there and you're thinking, but my faith doesn't grip me, my then you've got to ask your start asking yourself some serious questions because why are we here? We are here to give God glory. How do we do that? It's what we just talked about for a half hour today to become givers. It's in our DNA to give. And Dave and I say this often. It is the heart of the Father. He 
loved. He did not send Jesus to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus would be saved. So, Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Most of all, we thank you for what you've done and who you are and that your heart is to be, uh, for us, is to be generous givers, to be people who come alongside others, willing to be in relationship and invest time, resources, money, expertise. Lord, I thank you for John Reinhardt and gospelpatrons.org. I thank you for how you've led him and guided him. I thank you that you... Um, have plans yet to come for what he's doing and for how this message is starting to grip us and starting to excite us that we can be givers and see transformation in people's hearts, families, cities, and communities and churches. Father, we give you glory because of what you've done and who you are. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for igniting us. Thank you for your spirit and for your son. In Jesus' name. And thank you, John, for joining <laughs> yeah. us. Been a joy, guys. Thank well, you so much. What a great conversation. And and if you want more information, so gospelpatrons.org, John's mentioned that a number of times through the last couple shows. We want you to go there. We want you to dive in. We want you to invest. We want you to wrestle with some of the things you might read there. We want you to go get the book and read the book. So, you know, I always end the show with a little bit of practical stuff. That's what it is. Go to gospelpatrons.org, get the book, read the book, and then give the book away to as many people as you can, because I know it's going to have an impact on you. If can I you, say one more thing, Dave? Real quick. Yep, gospelpatrons.org slash books. If you're going, man, they just this is a book pitch. Look, you can go on to gospelpatrons.org slash books and download the PDF of the book for free or the audio book for free. We want to be givers to you and bless you with it. Awesome. Go. So there you go. So there it is. Um, if you'd like to download this show or any other show, iTunes, Let's Talk Money with Dave and Reb, morethanenough.ca and chri.ca. Join us next week when we talk money. Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.